Welcome to the Men on Purpose podcast, featuring dynamic conversations with emerging and established visionary men on purpose. Thanks for joining us today as we celebrate the men on purpose who are committed, creative, courageous change makers, living their best, most fulfilling life possible. Now, here's the host of Men on Purpose, Ian Lobos. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Men on Purpose podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about confidence, and we've got an expert on the subject, and I'm really excited. Here's some of the things we're going to talk about before I tell you about the guest. How to be less nice and be more real. We're going to talk about the surprising benefits of being less nice, and you know whatever's going through your head right now, it's not what you're thinking. Uh, how to transform self-criticism and doubt into unstoppable confidence, how to eliminate social anxiety and self-doubt, how to end imposter syndrome, and how to confidently say no without fear of guilt. Those sound really simple, but they are deep. And most of you listening, you know, because I've had so many people reach out. And one of the biggest patterns or the biggest things that I'm seeing is from you know, from DMs from our episodes or people that come through our coaching business or our front runner live events is they're struggling with confidence. They're struggling with imposter syndrome. Then they're struggling with knowing what to do and what the right thing is and not people pleasing, you know, but to own who they are and really find out their identity. So today I've got Dr. Aziz Ghaziporo on the, on the program. And he is a clinical psychologist and one of the world's leading authorities on confidence. He teaches people how to rapidly learn confidence so they can eliminate social anxiety, eliminate self-doubt, master conversations, accelerate in their careers, their marriages, their relationships, and create deeply fulfilling relationships, which, you know, if, that's, if you don't have that, th this is crucial, right? You may have a relationship, but if it's not deeply fulfilling in, in every aspect, then this is going to be a perfect one for you. So after struggling with crippling shyness and social anxiety, for over a decade, Dr. Aziz became determined to find a way to get his freedom, you know, through thousands of hours of his own training and counseling and reading and group work and coaching. He's truly mastered what it takes to transform fear and self-doubt into permanent self-worth and confidence. Sounds awesome. And you're going to have those answers today. So let me tell you a little bit more about Dr. Aziz. Uh, he completed his doctoral training at Stanford and Palo Alto universities, and he's the founder of the Center for Social Confidence. He's known for his dynamic speaking, for his humor, for his disarming vulnerability, and he's got a really cool way, an inspiring way of storytelling. He's got a huge online following with his podcast and his YouTube videos, and he's the author of four books, best-selling books, including his most popular one, which is called Not Nice. So we're going to get to that in just a second couple housekeeping tips. Remember, if you haven't subscribed to the podcast, please make sure you click that subscribe button. And if you can be so kind to rate us and give us a five-star review, that would be much, much appreciated. It's helped this podcast grow to top 1% in the world. And we have you to thank for that. Um, remember, as always, if you want to reach out to me, find out anything about the products and services we offer through our coaching and consulting business, you can hit us up on ianlobos.com or mentalpurposepodcast.com for literally anything you want to know, including our front runner event, which is our live four day, very intense mastermind, very powerful stuff. Uh, we're going to be running one of those in July of this year. Hit the website up for more details or just DM me and I'll get you, uh, I'll get you a link for more information. Um, something really big too, we have a free Facebook community now. 
we've got a ton of value, a ton of stuff in there for you to, you know, literally free resources for you to use just to kind of give you a little bit more depth than the podcast gives you, which is a lot of depth, but want to go even further. So that is the men on purpose community, not to be confused with the men on purpose podcast community, which is just for this podcast, but the men on purpose community is for all things men on purpose. So that's it. That's housekeeping. Appreciate you guys for listening, for, for making this thing what it is today. We're going to keep it up. As you know, we have to constantly elevate, educate, enrich, empower, and evolve the information, our education, everything that we're doing so that we can live that life that we truly dream about. So without further ado, here's Dr. Aziz. All right, Dr. Aziz, let's do this. First and foremost, before we get into confidence and all the stuff that you're an expert at, I want people you know, in your bio, I read that you were, it was like debilitating insecurity, lack of confidence. So for those that are listening who think that there's maybe something special about you or me in that we found our confidence, like, I want you to dispel that because you put a lot of work into this, but who were you and why were you like that? You know, before you became who you are today, like what was the cause? Yeah, I love that. And um, I think that's important to highlight because people can tend to think someone either has confidence or they don't as if it's some sort of genetic trait, like the color of your eyes. <laughs> right. And it is not. It's much more like a muscle, right? You know, this, if someone is muscular or athletic, it's like you could say, oh, they got, they, they got lucky with their genes. It's like, no, they've been consistently living a certain way for, for years. Um, so I think that's that's important to to really highlight so we can liberate ourselves no matter where we're starting from and you know the question would be like what would cause someone to become obsessed with studying confidence for the last you know almost two decades now and it would be coming from um, an intense amount of pain yeah Um, so you know the wound that then turns into a gift right but for me at the when I was younger it was it was there's no gift it was all wound yeah and um, I uh, experienced uh, increasing levels of insecurity. It started small, like a like a you know a snowball that turns into an avalanche. Yeah, and and it's it can be very subtle. It can be like this subtle creep without noticing it. And it just started with, I think a baseline assumption of I'm different. I'm not okay. I'm a little less than. And we start to formulate an identity. It starts as like a hypothesis. So I'm, I'm in middle school and my hypothesis is I don't think I'm as attractive as those other people. I, I don't think I'm that desirable. I don't think I'm that um, worthy. Hmm. And then once we start to have that as our hypothesis, we then look for evidence. And so I did. And I started to develop an identity of I'm less than, I'm different, I'm undesirable, I'm ugly. Um, I can't speak up in groups, like all this stuff. So then by the time I got to maybe about 15, it was pretty locked into my identity. Yeah. And then I just carried that with me to new environments. And we say, oh, it's going to be different when I get to a different environment, different mm. city, different place. And it's not. It's wherever you go, there you are. And so I brought me, you know, and um, I, it was kind of a, a like a you know, splash of water in the face or something. I think I had this fantasy. I'm going to get to college and it's going to be <laughs> you know, easy. And, and I got to college and I was even more anxious because yeah. I'm away from home and it's a big environment and I'm anonymous. And, you know, and for me at that time, it probably is any, any um, uh, common challenge for young men is like, I want to date. I want to connect. I want to meet women. And I was utterly, utterly terrified. And so my life just, sustained this kind of small nature of school work 
video games and like one or two close male friends yep. and, and other, you know, uh, cannabis, porn, alcohol, just whatever I could do to just kind of, you know, have comfort and sustain that life. And then at some point though, fortunately, I reached a threshold of pain when I was 21. I was like, uh, you know, if I don't do something now, uh, the, the rest of my, this, this course of my life is, is dismal. Dude, yeah. um, and so, you know, there was some calling from the future, some hunger to, to change. And uh, I heeded the call. So I started to take uh, uh, just a whole different course in my life. And uh, the, the beautiful thing is when we do that, it starts with like me, how am I going to get a girlfriend? How am I going to get this? How am I going to get what I want? And then it turns into like, wait a minute, how do I share this with others? You know, and that's leads to, I'm sure what you're doing here with your podcast, yep. but you know, how do we contribute? And I think that's a, that's a beautiful thing where now all of a sudden all the pain and the wound turns into this, this like spring uh, yes. that's constantly putting forth an endless desire that I'm going to have for the rest of my life to, to contribute to as many people as I can to, to experience that same transformation. So how did you, I have so many questions to ask you just from what you said. There's a, I felt that man, like I felt one of the reasons why I felt like that, that I've discovered later on in life is because no fault of my, of my parents, but they didn't teach me at a high enough level how to understand my feelings and emotions inside. And so the, the, the thoughts that led to the feelings, I didn't understand. So all of them were like dire. And I remember talking mm. to a, a psychologist or uh, yeah, a psychologist one, one time when I was younger. And I said, I wake up every morning feeling like I open my eyes and someone's pointing a gun at my head. I feel dread. I feel like a bear is chasing me and he's about to get me. And they made it, they compartmentalized it by saying, you know, well, that you don't have to go to that extreme. They started helping me back off these like, okay, you're anxious because you're just only focusing on what might happen, what could happen, what, you know, whatever. And like, what was it that, what was it that actually shifted you? I mean, 21, like people have to realize that with self-confidence, you are building a habit that, 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 um, uh, keeps solidifying and keeps giving evidence. You're looking for evidence all the time to, to uh, appropriate your theory, which by the way, is a crazy theory because it doesn't have any evidence to really back it up. You might have one girl that rejected you or one guy that rejected you, or you might have a teacher that called on you and you didn't know the answer, but that right there, those moments, the snowball starts to roll. And every time you give yeah. it and feed it more, you know, quote unquote evidence, that's mainly false it just perpetuates. And then you turn into a 21 year old. That's like got every, I call them escape pods, every escape pod in the world, alcohol, you know, weed, porn, but you're not living in balance. You're not living an authentic life. What was it that triggered you to go, okay, enough. I got to make a pivot here or I'm going to spend the rest of my life. So miserable. Yeah. I love that. And I'm going to highlight one thing about what you said. And then I answered the question that looking for the false evidence and yeah. just sort of uh, continuing this story, I discovered over time, uh, especially working with more and more people, that this is actually by design, that we all have, um, well, we have many parts inside of us, but you could simplify it to two. We have a part of us that wants to live and um, just do stuff and experience yeah. life and connect and try new things. And it's like the bold adventure inside of us. And then we also have another part of us though, that wants complete like no pain it wants no failure no no nothing that can hurt us quote unquote yeah and it's i call it the safety police 
and that part wants to keep everything safe. And the best strategy it has for safety is to downsize your life, keep it as small and familiar as possible and avoid all change and all risk, keep it static. So what happens is when we are having those thoughts of like, Oh, that wouldn't work. And they think I'm a loser. And this doesn't like, that's, that's actually a propaganda campaign Yeah. from the part of you. that's like, well, Hey, if it's not going to work out, don't try. If yeah. they're going to reject you, then don't ask, you know, and it just, it, and it creates this very elaborate web of stories. So um, I think it's always beneficial to, for people to start to see that yeah. and they see it's not true. It just has an agenda. And there's other ways that we can create a sense of safety in ourselves besides uh, escaping from our own lives. Yep. But for me, um, I believe that the trigger was a threshold of pain where, you know, there's these escape pods and then there's the pain and it's the pain of like not living life. It's the pain of feeling inferior. It's the pain of self-hatred. It's the pain of missing out on opportunities like that starts to compound. And then I'm increasing my escape pod use. Right. And, you know, fortunately, I mean, some people might go to like harder drugs or, you know, just sort of go further. But for me, um, there was something I personally believe that it's like uh, it's the calling. It's 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 my future self. That's like yep. pulling back through time. It's like, hey, come on, buddy, let's go. You know, something divine grace, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. But for me, it was like this moment of. Um, I could just see that the story I've been telling myself that the future will somehow just be better magically. I saw it as a lie. I saw it as false. And then I came to start con confrontation with I'm 21. Now I could easily be 31 and be in the same boat. Yeah. I could be 41 in the same boat. And for me, probably the biggest hunger with intimacy was connection. I really wanted, like, I wasn't thinking about career and, in all that stuff and public speaking, I was just thinking about like, I want to connect. Um, and I thought it was just with women, but I realized it was also just to have more authentic relationships, even with men, just to yep. be, just to be known. So that hunger was there and it, I knew it wasn't going to change. And the idea of spending 20 more years so isolated yeah. uh, was that all of a sudden that pain was, was so massive. All the, the idea of getting rejected or getting a no or being embarrassed by comparison, that pain got smaller. Yeah. And so there's a great quote, uh, Lisa Rankin said this, when the, when the pain of staying the same um, exceeds the fear of making the change, that's when we leap. And so that's what happened for me. And I literally was like, okay, I'm going to go to the internet and I'm going to figure this out. And I just started to look and it's not like I had not done that before, but it was different. You know, when you're really like ready, it's different. It's like whatever it takes. I'm going to do whatever it takes. And that was the energy I came from. I started studying, learning, um, you know, found uh, pickup artist stuff, which was some of it uh, was actually really solid. It was really teaching like just self-esteem and valuing yourself and, and how to carry yourself with more uh, confidence. And that some of the stuff was kind of manipulated, but some of it was really uh, core basic psychology teachings that, that you can, you know, Hey, that, that thought stream, not all of it's true. It's like, Oh my God, really? <laughs> and so I started to learn. And then I just was willing to go do things, go be embarrassed, go fail. And um, it was terrifying but it was like, there was a gun to my head. It was like, I'm not going back. I can't go back to that cage. I, I mean, it's so, so here I go. And then I just became, um, and then I got a taste of it. I yeah. got a taste of when you're bold, something different can happen and it can be good. 
And then it became like, okay, all right, this is going to be a way of life for, and it has been for the last, you know, 18 years. I love that. You know, the, the, the things that I kept saying to myself, it, it really rings true in my life where I was like, well, you know, when I get to college, it'll be better. High school, not for me. College, it'll be better. I'll be different. I'll have a whole new identity. Well, that didn't, that, that, that happened and it didn't work out because I still felt the same way and it was just perpetuating. Mm. And then after that, you know, I'll, I'll join my dad's business and I'll start making great money and I'll help my dad build his business. And then the money will, will solve my problems because then I'll have money to go on vacations that I want to and buy what I want to. And that didn't happen. And then it got stronger and stronger until one day my brain, the registration was like, dude, it's been, it's been, uh, you know, quite a while since college and you haven't made these shifts and your relationships are suffering. And now you're a dad. And like, this was recent, this was like five years ago. And mm -hmm. the question I kept asking, asking myself, even in college was, this can't be it. This fucking can't be it. This cannot be it. This cannot be how you live life. And yeah. I watched some of my friends, um, and a lot of our clients, our coaching clients who are even older, you know, in their fifties and sixties, uh, they may have reached a high level, right. In their job or in their business or, or with money or with success, they're still feeling this same thing, even though on paper, they look really good. They're yeah. feeling this even harder because there's such a, a, a duality between who they really are, which is actually unknown. And this fight of like keeping up appearances and they're just living in this middle zone. And that is a vicious cycle that will take you yes. down eventually. It'll cause health problems, relationship problems. And you know, that, that's a, that's a dangerous road. And so, you know, how do you, how do you, you know, I, like I, I shared what I did, which I just, every morning I'm like, this, this isn't it. What else is possible? What else is out there? There's gotta be something different. And, and to your point earlier, wherever you are there, that's, you, you, that's where you are, wherever you go, there you are. And I know a lot of people who, you know, friends of ours that, that we really no longer speak with that, that have moved geographical locations to make life better. And it never will be. They change spouses, girlfriends, boyfriends, uh, jobs. It never get better. It will never yeah. get better until you get better. That's it. Yeah. Have new habits, yeah. new skills, new mindset it will never get better. Yeah. Yeah. I like to say that confidence is an inside job Yeah, and you, you try to shift the circumstances and that's not going to solve it. Now, of course, as you shift, you know, those things, how you approach life, how you see yourself, your perspective, your, your courage, as you change those things, your external circumstances can change and they sure. do for the better. Sure. However, if you're keeping the same software, as it were, and then trying to move the, the chess pieces around on the board outside of you or accumulate enough of something, um, then at best, at best, you're going to get temporary conditional self-worth. You know, if I get enough money, if I get enough praise, if I sleep with enough people, if I get at a certain power level, if I would achieve some certain role that society has told me, if I've done this and this and this by this time in my life, yep. then I'm enough. Yeah. And we're just hunting for it, hunting for it. And, you know, fortunately, uh, we discover that it's a ruse and that, they, you know, <laughs> at some point we, we wake up to it. And even if it's a 50, that's fine. It's, it's because, because then we can awaken to something more real. Totally. totally. Just who are you? What are you here to do? What do you value? And then, you know, and we can stop. I mean, some people, no matter what you can acquire and accumulate, if you are 
not on your own side this is a distinction I, call. I have a book called on my own side that's about this like if you are not on your own side it does not matter what you achieve or accumulate or how many people love you or relationships you're in you suffer because the most intimate experience you have is with you and it's like having a relationship with someone who's abusive or critical or always seeing what's wrong with you and and it's you're you know so yes you achieved that thing but it wasn't fast enough and someone else could have done it better or you got that thing published or those people said it was amazing yeah but i didn't it wasn't that amazing i probably could have done better so yeah and i just think about how that could suck the joy out of your life if you're there with your sweetheart on a vacation and she's like, yeah, but your body's not that, I mean, it's kind of, kind of fat. It's not very good. Like, <laughs> right. wow. All day long. Jeez. No wonder I don't feel great no matter what I achieve. And then we, then we hustle to achieve more. Yeah. And so I think getting control of that process is a must or, or else, you know, we, we really can't experience the confidence that we want. Yeah. Operative word being what you said, which is it's not sustainable hustle grind crushing it is not sustainable and i and episode 200 we we, we literally talked about the hustle porn stars that that in 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 my opinion are, are are a little dangerous and they're polluting the brains of of especially younger people by saying like just hustle and grind this thing and you'll just get out of anything you want the money will come and you'll be able to you'll get the island and you'll get the yacht and and it, it doesn't work like that because you're still on that yacht as you are you're still on that yeah. island as you are you're on the vacation and 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 so the, what we're talking about here is to is how to create sustainable change in your life, and then that will open up possibilities and 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 a whole world for you to actually serve the world, not yes. serve yourself through the world. Yes. Yeah. Yes, and that's the switch that occurs for people somewhere along the way too. Yep. Is how much can I get? How much can it, cause, cause then it's going to fill, it's going to, and we get enough. Um, and then at some point we, we realize like, wait a minute, it's, it's way beyond that. It's how much can I give? Yeah. And what I give is what I, is what I actually get to experience on a, on a full level or even things like that are intangible. Like, wow, this relationship. And even that makes it seem like it's a static thing. It's this moment with my son, this moment with my friend, this moment with a client, this yeah. moment with my lover, like, this moment right now, um, this is, this is rich. This is wealth. Like for me, a question I asked myself not that long ago, um, is what if relationships were my most valuable asset? I've been studying investing a lot for the last year, especially. And when I get into something, I just go, I obsess. Oh, I just, you know, bleh, how much can I, it's like the matrix Jack in the back of the head. How much can I take <laughs> in quickly? And so I'm doing that and I'm studying it and it's interesting. And I have to keep reminding myself like, okay, what if the most important thing though, the most valuable asset is relationship is those moments with people and feeding those. And because otherwise you talk about the person who's on the yacht or the Island in order to get to that level, we have to have bought into the system and the way it is so much that if we're not balanced with, I mean, we just start to believe that it's also real, that it does mean so much. If I have this amount of money, money is so real. It's all, and it's like, well, wait a minute. Then one of the key things I teach people is you got to determine your own reality. Totally. What is, what is success to you? You know, not, and so many people are being driven by what society tells them they need to have, or, well, my parents would thought if my, the cultural field tells me that this is what matters. And I, I think a true mark of confidence is 
I'm going to live life on my terms. And that could mean achieving, you know, and, and earning or that's fine. But, you know, does, is going for a walk with your son and holding his hand as you do it and talking and being with him, is that, like, can that feel like just as big of or maybe even more of a success than, you know, making the huge promotion? Of tens of thousands of dollars or whatever. Like, what if in your reality, at the end of the day or the end of your life, you're like, oh my gosh, that that moment with his little hand in mine, I am rich. Yeah. I am wealthy. Yeah. And, and and I'm not saying that's superior or the right thing. I'm saying that we all want to determine that for ourselves. Well, you've got to do what serves you best in the way that I run the the uh, you know, like the 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 sounding board is in this present moment. When I look back on this moment, will I regret doing this or not doing this? You know, and that, you know, creating a mission statement for my life to guide me um, and making sure that things actually serve me versus not serve me and the mission that I have. So, yeah, I mean, I choose my kids over anything. I mean, I had, I tell this story a lot. It's like I had a very large job offer from someone. I've never really had a job except for, you know, working with my dad. And I had a very large job offer from someone to run a very large sales team for a big company. And I said, listen, I'm going to just, I really just want to tell you how much I appreciate you thinking about me for this. And it's just, it's a no. And the guy was like, well, how are you so confident with that? This is seven figures. And I said, I understand, but there are sacrifices I'm not willing to make that you're going to make a mandatory. I'm not willing to stay in Baltimore. You know, I want to be in Los Angeles. Uh, I'm not willing to come into an office. I don't want that to be my view every day. And I'm not willing to have you dictate what you're going to pay me based on performance. I want to dictate that. And lastly, and the most important is uh, making this commitment makes me committed to the money, which makes me not committed to my family because the first and foremost choices I'm going to have to make are for the money, for this job, for this thing. And my, my, my focus will be completely off. And so I mm. really appreciate it. And the guy said, well, look, we can work it out. You know, what if it, what, what, what if it were a higher number? And I said, it's still a no, because <laughs> I, I know confidently that I can make that kind of money with my businesses. Yeah. And, and I'm not willing to sacrifice time with my kids because I'll never get that back. And yeah, okay, so I, I go from 37, or I think I was 30, 37 or 36, to 40, let's say. And I accumulate a couple million bucks from you but I missed out on my son who was a newborn and I miss out on my daughter who was, you know, three and a half or four at the time. And they said, yeah, but you do, you have knee evenings and weekends. And I said, I understand, but you don't, you don't understand. I value, I value sitting at breakfast with her. I value just jumping upstairs and grabbing lunch. I value taking her to school and picking her up. Like I said, out of, you know, a hundred and some kids at this little private school, my daughter goes to, my wife and I are, the, are, are, are one of two that are the only set of parents that do pick up and drop off out of all mm. those people, right? And I value that, and I'm not willing to trade anything for that. So if that means that, uh, that I don't take this position, I'll just figure out a way to make that and have it all. And that's where my confidence in me came in. My dad always used to say that, like, if there's mm. ever a doubt, if there's ever a choice you have to make, always drop those chips solid up on you always bet on you 
And if you mm. can't perform or you lack in your performance, then up your skills, up your, your knowledge, up your education, but don't ever not bet on you because you will fail and that's fine. But continue to bet on you because the more you bet on you, you'll just keep coming back and being stronger and growing and educating yourself. And then the, the thing for me was I've got to give that back. Just like you, I've got to teach, I've got to give it back because mm. that fulfills me. Yeah, man, I love this. It's, it's powerful. It's inspiring what you're sharing. Yeah, thanks, and you're speaking my language with a bet on you. Because yeah. that's, I mean, that is, um, that is the, it generates confidence. And yeah. I feel like with confidence for people, it's a chicken or the egg thing often. It's like, but I don't have it. I don't feel confident. I don't believe in myself. I'm flooded with doubt. Like, so, so I'm not going to do it. And, but what I've, this is something that when people get this, it changes everything. It's that, People are waiting for the circumstances, for life, for something to give them the confidence. But confidence is something you claim. And so it's in the moment where you're feeling the most doubt that you, you like claim belief. You bet on yourself. Yep. Or it's when you are feeling, um, me, I've dealt with a lot of physical issues from um, emotional stuff. I, I talk about a lot in my book, Not Nice, about... Um, how when we're excessively nice and don't know ourselves and are pleasing, we can actually develop physical patterns of pain, which I did for many years. And so I'd have these like bouts of physical pain and I knew that they weren't struck for years. I thought I had a biological autoimmune yeah. condition. I was diagnosed on medicines, all that stuff. But at some point I started to get off all that. And I was like, no, this is emotional, energetic, mental stress. Like I can, I can do this. And so I'd make progress and then I have these bouts of intense pain where I can barely walk. And I'm like, but I'm waiting. I'm like, okay, the pain's going to lift. And then I can believe again that I'm going to be okay. And I realized one moment I was like, no, you find strength within the weakness. You find uh, health within the pain and you claim it. And, and when you do that, it starts to shift in your life. And so when people are like, uh, I'll, I'll wait until I feel less doubt. No, there's like that decision that needs to be made. And then, and then when you start to bet on yourself, um, you get, you get results and, and confidence is a byproduct of that action, right? So yeah. yes, you, maybe you fail, but you learn something or you do succeed or generally people can do more than they realized, especially when they've jumped in or they've, you know, to use the metaphor, they've thrown their hat over the fence and now they got to figure out a way to climb it. Like all of a sudden, you know, we, we access, cause all of us have so much more capacity then we access, right? Whether it's a totally. physical level or an emotional level, like there's a, there's a limiter there that's our, our comfort. And then if, when circumstances though are intense, like something were to happen physically to your family or whatever, you, you would find all kinds of resourcefulness yeah. Yeah. or you're like, hey, I'm gonna make this business work because I, I turned down that offer. I'm gonna figure this thing out. Yeah. You know, and, and that's how we unlock it is by betting on ourselves. So I love that you're sharing that. So, dude, you and I could talk for like three hours. <laughs> um, a couple of things you said there that I would just, I want to I want to go back to. Um, how you know? How do you find that sense of confidence when you just feel so depressed or so upset with yourself, or that that perpetuating self talk from middle school up, and now you're thirty. And you, you do not like your life. You do not like who you are or your circumstances, but you like, how do you find the confidence when you just have none of it left or not, none of it at all in, yeah. in a tank? Like, how do you do that? Yeah. 
I love that. I think there's two things. Um, one is the power of immersion. So you need to start introducing new information into the system, which would be example like listening to this podcast or a book or other things like you start, you, you need to be, because if you're just circling around in your own stories, uh, that's a closed loop and that's unlikely to change. But if you start to introduce, even if you're just like listening and you're like, I don't know, but you know, <laughs> just start, just start to let it um, drip in. Yep. That's not going to be the end of it. It's like just listening to something and it's all perfect, but it starts to give you a new perspective. Even if it doesn't feel true yet, you start to have access to it. Then the next thing, and I think most people skip this step. They want to go from listening to like, you know, Tony Robbins punch through a wall and go do it. And what's missing actually is there, there's an intermediate step, which is you need to like make contact with the suffering that you're creating for yourself. People want to leapfrog this step, but if we do, we're, then we're just running and we're running scared and we're desperate and it, it increasing your capacity to feel the, the, the suffering feel like, wow. And, and it's partly just like becoming really aware, like, wow, I feel whatever you, maybe you feel helpless. Maybe you feel frustrated and angry. Maybe you feel stuck. Yeah. You just like, I name it. I feel so stuck right now. And then we're trying to get away from it. Like, no, I am stuck. I feel so stuck. And then just notice what the stuck feels like and just don't try to change it. Don't try to fix it. Just like be in it and be like, yeah, this is what my life feels like when I am perceiving it as stuck. And then get even more curious. What is the story that creates stuck? What is the emotion of stuck? What is the behaviors of stuck, like really make a study. It's the same thing if someone wants to change like smoking, for example, you know, they smoke those cigarettes as mindfully as possible. Same thing, like become as mindful as possible because what that does is if, if you truly do this, and this one took me a long time to get, which is you, you want to just kapwing off of it and go, but if you really go into it, like yeah. just 10 minutes of being like, I am so stuck and you just surrender to it. <laughs> yeah. All of a sudden, it's like kind of this beautiful gift. Like you think you're just going to be like, like game over then. But actually what happens is there's, there's this other force inside. you. Remember I said we have two parts. We have that part of us that wants to live. And that part will kick on. It'll kick on gear. And it will say, hold on a second. No, 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 no. I'm not stuck. I'm no, no. You know, and, and it will, and then you'll, you'll start to access the next level, which is, enough of this. Yeah. Like, no, no, no. And that, that, that's, a, that's what I call the threshold moment that I described that you described is like, life is more than this. And now I, you probably didn't know what was going to change and where you were going or how it was all going to look, but you're like, I know it's not this. Yeah. And that, that energy then starts to build. And then, then you can get into some sort of motion right. because now you're accessing a lot more potential and a lot more energy. Yeah. You're shifting that snowball effect from it just dragging 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 to it pulling 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 and it gets stronger and it gets yeah. stronger until one day the outside world actually doesn't affect you because your your ascension your your energy levels have gone up so much that actually this is something i want to talk to you about get your take on it i realized that the meaning that i was making of things was so infinite and that I didn't have any basis or anything for, for any of the meaning I was making of things. 
But I realized somebody called my attention to it through a, a beautiful course, it, the Landmark Forum. I, 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 um, I give a lot of credit to that course and to that, and to that, that, that community that it showed me how I was taking something that happened and, and making this meaning based on my past programming. And it was like, holy hell, that shit happens all day. It mm. happens all day, every minute, mm. you know? And I'm like, oh my gosh, how do you cut that? But the snowball, as you, as you give yourself more info and emerge yourself into learning, it will never happen automatically. And that's one of the dangerous pieces that I find with most self-help programs and seminars and masterminds is that there's a lot of surface level activities, a lot of stuff that comes down to the outside. But if you're not changing the inside, it will never work. It will never work. You can't just do some push-ups and punch a board and then be cured. It just doesn't work like that. Your brain doesn't work like that. You know? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. how does somebody like, I want to, I want to roll this into something. How does somebody, um, I think I actually suffer from this a little bit and I used to beat myself up because my personality looks so extroverted, sounds so extroverted. People like they get to know me on a personal level. They're like, damn, you're so quiet. Like, it's not like your podcasts or you're like, you don't talk a lot. And I go, yeah, I'm, I'm I own that introvertedness where I gather my energy back from. How does somebody who's kind of maybe stuck in those two worlds or even just stuck in the introverted, how do they overcome that social anxiety or that, that uh, need to be liked or, or need to go to the party or I need to go out to the bar to be a part of the community or a part of the, my friend group? Like, how does someone get through that? Is it these same kind yeah. of tactics? Well, that's, there's a, I mean, that's a fascinating topic and, and there's a lot of um, identity and, and, and assumptions and thoughts of perceptions of, of how humans work in the world that are kind of layered into that question. Yeah. So I'm going to address a few of them. Sure. Um, most people have heard of like introversion, extroversion difference. You know, people think of an extrovert likes to be around people, gets energized by that. An introvert prefers alone time or maybe one or two people, you know, more depth conversation and, um, and gets charged, recharged by time alone. The people have heard that distinction. There's a lot of stuff that gets uh, layered in though. The one, for example, is um, how you are around other people yeah. can determine whether it's energizing or not. And a lot of people... I experience social anxiety, which is different. Introversion and extroversion are not the social anxiety is a separate thing, right? You can right. have an extrovert who's got social anxiety and an introvert who's got social anxiety. So what happens if we have social anxiety um, and we're, and we're evaluating ourselves before I go talk to somebody, am I going to do it right? They're probably not going to like me. Oh, I knew it. I didn't do that well enough. You pick it yourself afterwards. Yeah. Or social anxiety can also manifest as pleasing so I'm going to say what I need to say and talk about what you want to talk about and not really share much about myself because I don't want to be selfish yep. and people will leave those interactions and they'll feel drained and they'll say, I'm an introvert, man. I just don't like being around people. Yeah. Um, or they get a little chip on their shoulder introvert. It's like, Oh man, those people are so superficial. I don't like that environment. I don't like those kind of people. And we think it's, it's the identity of the introvert, but it's actually the way you're being with others. Yes that is uh, making it draining. And, and what I've seen in a lot of people I've worked with who are like, I'm an introvert. I'm like, okay, maybe, maybe. And let's change that. And then they start to change that way. And all of a sudden they're like, I felt really energized by that. Yeah. That was great. I want to yeah. do that again. And so, 
it, we want to really see that first and foremost. And the second thing then, then you get to start to see, and I, I really think that it's, um, we want to uh, be able to relate more freely and authentically without, with less concern about other people's thoughts and judgments. Then we get to see, and even then, I think it is um, being able to see in this moment, what do I want and being able to choose? Or what, what do I feel called to right now? Because sometimes um, that introvert thing might just be a, a, it's almost like a little bit of like, I think introverts tend to be a little bit, we just feel more, yeah. a little more sensitive, right? And so it's yeah. kind of like, oh, spending time with the, you know, I, I, I'll like have a schedule to hang out with a friend who I love. And before the hangout, I'm like, ah, <laughs> wanna, you know? And so that's a slippery slope into like, you know, you're avoiding like change or transition from one thing to another. But then when I get with a friend, I'm like, this is great. You know, I want to do this right. again. This is so right. fun. So I, I just, um, it's really about awareness in the moment and being able to choose and not pegging too strongly to like, I am like this, because then we can use that to isolate. We can use that to avoid becoming more authentic in our expressiveness. So I always take those identities with, uh, with a bit more fluidity and just become really curious in this moment, you know, what, what, what would fuel me right now? And maybe sometimes I do need to kind of kick myself over the edge to go yeah. because uh, I'm going to be charged. And if I'm not charged afterwards, hmm, let me, let me get really curious about how I was and the environment there and not so much like, I just don't like being around people. Yeah, yeah. Uh, don't pigeonhole. That's really, that's awesome. That's, that, that's a, such a great explanation because it's um, – it's really who you are in that conversation. Cause you know, I can, I can coach all day long and I'm jacked up at the end of the day. Yeah. But in all honesty, if you have me in like a, a businessy talk where there's a lot of business jargon and like, we're talking about spreadsheets and quarterly reports. I'm like, Oh my God. Oh, I, I don't, I, that's I probably most people, by the way, I I, there's going to be a, a small percentage who are like, yeah, yeah quarterly, yeah. let's go. I'm that's the first thing that came to mind, but like, um, yeah, that, that's all, that's a learned, that's a learned behavior and to not pigeonhole yourself like that. That really makes sense to not just say like, well, I'm an, I'm an extrovert. This is, this is the type of person I am. I'm a dog lover. I'm not a part people person. I'm not a partier. I'm not, you know, like, I am, I am a people, ple like whatever it might be, just not pigeonholing yourself into that because, yeah. you know, I, I think that um, personality test world is, is definitely a, a business, not necessarily a, a, a cut and dry model. So sure. I think you go, well, you know, I'm an extrovert. I love going out. Let's go out. But then there's a guy like me who has an extroverted side or, or, or a type A, you know, like outgoing side. Or I'm like, I hate going out. I think it's a complete waste of time. Why would I sit at a bar where I can barely hear you and pay five times more for a drink when we can sit here, have what we want on TV because I don't watch sports. So I don't want to watch sports at a bar. Like I get to use my own bathroom. I get cheaper drinks and I get to talk to you about stuff that we're interested in. The one thing I want to circle back to you on is that is that people pleasing or like talking about feeling like you need to talk about things to impress somebody else. And you mentioned ah. this a couple of times, like being a nice person or being nice. And that always isn't good. It actually can be very draining and, and negative to you. So like roll, roll through that and how, 
being less nice actually has some positive effects to it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a really important uh, sort of realization for people to see that maybe nice is not always the way to be. Even though when we were young, we got nice conditioning. It says, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. Yes. You know, don't, don't be mean. Don't, don't just, just be nice. And you know, there's some um, perhaps positive intent behind that. But generally what happens is if you study, when I'm being nice, generally I'm going to be filtering what I might say. I am going to be thinking about what is it that you want to hear. I don't want to say anything that might upset you or offend you. And so it's actually not kindness. Niceness most of the time is fear-based and it is, I am terrified of confrontation or upset or friction in any relationship. I got to keep everything smooth in my life and everyone happy. And so niceness is put simply is, is avoidance of direct contact with other people because you can't have direct contact in real relationships that don't have differing opinions. Sure. Um, and sometimes it's an, you know, it's a real conflict and there's a fight or something, but sometimes it's just simply saying, you want to do that thing. I don't want to do that thing. And someone who's really, and I know because I experienced this for many years myself, even that, which sounds might sound so simple, can become bottled up and hard to say. So we say, sure. well, maybe we could do that thing. And either we just do it because I'm nice, or we do our, we have a thousand and one indirect ways to try to get what we want because we've learned right. you can't ask for what you want. You can't say no. So I have to say, we could do that. Um, maybe, I, I just, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm wondering if <laughs> this might happen if we did. Right. Does that, does that work, you know? So we right. can't be direct. And, and what happens is, uh, we start to disconnect more and more from ourselves. So if I'm really nice and I'm talking to you, I'm looking at what do you think? What do you feel? What do you want? What's right? And again, that might sound selfless in a good way, but it's actually too far down the spectrum. And I become alienated from myself. And now I'm just a shell of who I am to try to preserve some sort of uh, positive feelings in you. Yeah. And I mean, I could do things I don't want to do. I could put myself in situations that are not right for me. I could screw myself financially or in business. Sure. I could work jobs that I shouldn't work. I could take on more work than I agreed to. I could be in a relationship for months or years longer than is healthy. I mean, the list goes on. I've seen this all yeah. with clients. Yeah. And so what we need to do is we need to start to reclaim. And I always tell people the opposite of nice is not to be an asshole or, you know, the opposite of nice is to be real. Authentic, is to be yeah. authentic, is to be able to start to share and maybe messily at first, but then more skillfully, what do I really think? What do I really feel? What do I want? What do I not want? And you start to become a presence in your own life. Yeah. You start to become the main character. You start to live in your reality and not be so terrified of the opinions, the passing opinions of others. And I think yes. if we don't claim this, uh, we we end up living a life that is not our own, which is, you know, one of the primary regrets of people who are, who are dying. Yeah. And, and that's a, that's a great way to end that is like, it, it might not hurt now. It might have like a sting now, but the open wound with salt on it will be later on in life. And it could be tomorrow or it could be 50 years from now, but how does somebody, how, how does someone shift this today? Right. There's always one person listening that will write to me and say, I, the universe delivered this episode for me mm -hmm. out of like tens yes. of thousands of people that listen to these episodes. It was me you were talking to. So 
I know that you had mentioned that there's different levels of authenticity, but if someone is so caught up in that being nice world and, and people pleasing and, and giving people what they need, how do you, so two questions, what are the levels of authenticity and how do you just start by sharing what you feel so, and, and not really being so concerned with how someone reacts or what they're going to think about you. But then like, how do you find and seek out those people that can actually accept you for you yet also help you grow into the person that you really want to become? And I want to give you a quick example in the audience, an example. So my, one of my best buddies, Aaron, he's my partner. He does the front runner episodes. He's, he's a business partner and we run a big mastermind and, and, and live event together. And he's one of my closest friends because of a situation like this. His birthday last year, he said, he meant, I want to go paintballing for my birthday. I'm organizing it up. You in? And at that moment, I thought, it's his birthday. Let's do what he wants. And I said, that's not authentic to me. And I won't have any resentment toward him. I just am not going to be that happy. But it's not about me. It's about him. So I should just probably do it. And I went through this whole world. And I said, you know what, dude? I love you enough and you love me enough for me to be honest with you. I, I'm not a huge fan of paintball. And so if it's okay with you, I will not be at paintball, but I will meet you at the bar or the restaurant or whatever after. Are you okay with that? And he was like, 100%. Thank you for sharing that with me. That mm -hmm. is an authentic relationship that promotes mm -hmm. me being authentic. So I wasn't worried like, oh, Aaron's going to be crushed. Man, I'm an asshole. It's his fucking birthday, dude. Man up. Go paintball with the guy. He was happier because he knew that I was being totally transparent with him. And mm. how, so levels of authenticity and how does someone find those people to, to help their circle and level them up? Yeah. Great questions. And I love that story. It is yeah. those things like it's the, those are the moments, those daily moments of life where if you play it that way, you can feel free and good and connected. And if you don't, you can have the same circumstances and feel irritated, mm -hmm. oppressed, back pain, you know, <laughs> all these issues. And it's, you know, it's the simple inability to say yes or no. And so I think I love that story. And yeah, the levels of authenticity. So um, people think of authenticity. There's one level, which is like, I'm going to dress how I want to dress. I'm going to talk how I want to talk. I'm going to say what I want to say. Um, I'm going to be real. I'm going to share what I'm thinking and feeling and noticing. That's, that, those, that's one level of authenticity. But it goes much further than that because it's like, who am I? What do I value? Yeah. What are the rules of my reality? That's something that I really help people with because they're, they're like, it's wrong to say no. I was working with someone who felt it was wrong to reschedule people. I've already said, yes. Oh my gosh, that's, that's unacceptable to reschedule them. And, you know, you can have a desire to follow through on commitments, but if something comes up or there's a better opportunity or something, like we got to have some flexibility here. So he can't be authentic because he's trying to operate in these rules that are really rigid or don't serve him. Rules like you can't say no. Rules like you, you, got, you, got, you got to do it. It's your friend's birthday. Right. You know, or if someone has done something for you, now you have to, you have to do something, you have, you have to, to give them whatever they want, you know, yeah. like, oh, you know, all these rules that, that we haven't chosen. So the next level of authenticity is to really start to decide 
You know, and I have people create a bill of rights. I have a right to this. I have a right to that. Like, what are my rights? I have a right to say no um, for, for any reason. I have a right to change my mind. I have a right to ask for anything. And the person can say no, but I have a right to ask. Like, I have these people list, they create their own, and then they recite them regularly to really start to internalize that. And then there's another level of authenticity, though, which is kind of what you were describing in that uh, job offer situation. It's like, I know who I am and I, and I know what I want. Uh, and, and I, and I, I'm going to steer this life. I'm going to, and so that leads to like bigger changes in people's lives, you know, ending a relationship or starting a relationship, um, changing jobs, changing careers to you know, like, that's another level of authenticity. And they all, they all work together and they all, you know, require levels of boldness. Yeah. So that gets to the question of like, well, then, you know, how, how do we do this? Well, it starts with that permission you know i have a right to and i would say if someone's really struggling with this stuff again take a moment instead of trying to you know punch through the wall which is not sustainable start with how has this been going and is this working for me in my life in in my book uh, uh called not nice i talk about this i call it the high cost of nice like what is what is the effect what is this doing to me because the goal is if you really look at it and say what 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 is this causing me to miss out on? What is the negative impact of this? Not only on me and on others, how does this damage my relationships? And you really look at the high cost of that niceness. That's like someone looking at like the, 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 the toxic effect of a certain, you know, drug or food they're eating. They might just be like, wow, I can do better, you know? And then again, surrounding yourself, putting yourself in environments where there is a, a new set of rules. And for someone who doesn't have anyone in their life, like everyone around them is saying, yeah, you got to be a not selfish person and give and always say yes. And if that's, that's the, no, first of all, is that the environment you're really in right now? Or is that from when you were young, right. from your interpretation of the nice conditioning and you are carrying it? Most people, that's often the case. But let's say that's still only happening. Well, here you are, you're listening to this podcast. Maybe you're one out of those thousands of people who is yep. like, this is going to click for and listen to the story. Don't listen to the story that Ian shares is like, Oh, that was neat for him. Like, right. no, that's real. It was uncomfortable for him. There was a time yeah. in his life where he would not have done that. Yeah. And now he does. And the same thing for me. So we, we need to, you're, you're hearing a new reality as you listen to this. So start with this, start with books. You know, you mentioned before we talked about this, there's, um, no more Mr. Nice Guy by Dr. Glover, which is fantastic. Yep. I have a book called Not Nice. Yep. You know, start immersing in these worlds and then look around. There might be people already in your life that you can be more real with. And yeah. the limiter on being more real is not them. It's been me. You, yeah. I've been unwilling. So find the, those likely people, that close friend, that your partner, your, you know, your, your lover, someone where you're like, you know what? If there's any real relationship here that's worth having, I'm going to take a risk. And you just share. And sometimes it's saying no to something. Sometimes it's just revealing. You know, instead of saying, how's it going? You'll say, that's great. How are you doing? You say, well, um, you know, here's something going really well. You share the good in your life. That can be very vulnerable too. Or you're like, I'm struggling with this. You share either one. You, sure. you take the risk to be more real. Someone's got to do it. And most people will not. If you really want to create this in your life, you need to be the leader on a social level, on a relationship level. And then if you start to uh, practice that in those, those closer relationships, those, 
and not everywhere. Like if you got a, you know, an uncle who, you know, is really shut down, is going to mock you. Don't do it with don't him. Don't do it with him. Yeah. Aware. Don't do it. It's a little sapling. You don't want to boot on the sapling. You got to let it start. To, once you get stronger, then you can go talk to your uncle and say, listen, uncle Harvey, shut it, you know, whatever. But, um, but start, start in with the low hanging fruit, start with where it's, it's going to be easier. And uh, the cool thing is once you start to do this, forging new relationships from that place is often easier because you just show up that way and you start to attract as you become more authentic, you will attract people who are that way and you you will be repelled by, or you will repel um, people that are, that are not that way. And you'll start to create a new world and it doesn't happen overnight. It happens with consistent practice over time. Yeah. Something that I want to add to that as far as how you level yourself up, which will always level your, your environment. And then you'll, and then you'll inevitably level the environment up. And then maybe you move to another environment is whatever you learn. If this is your calling, don't go get a coaching certificate and think you're a coach. If you want to practice and, and preach this and teach this, just grab somebody and say, Hey, I'd like to share with you what I learned this weekend at this event or this book. Here are the top three things I learned. I'd like to have a conversation with you about it. Start there. Then start doing Facebook lives, really push yourself. Again, there's a stage to all this. And then like, uh, you know, do like some, something bold. Like I did, I bought a podcast called men on purpose. You know, I didn't start this podcast. It was, it was destined for the scrap heap and I kind of saved it. And I put myself out there every week talking about this thing that I say I'm an expert in because I didn't just learn it. I embody it and I teach it and I continue to up level it. So those are the phases of how I've gotten to this point. Same with you. You didn't start as an expert. You didn't just go to Stanford to get an expertise. You practice it. You teach it. You work through it in your own life. And that's how you can continue to level up. The environments will naturally be attracted to you that you want to serve. It just happens that mm -hmm. way. And the people mm -hmm. that just can't get you, they say you've changed. They don't like the new you, cut them quick. Just got to cut them quick because they're, they're just going to drag you down. And it's, yeah. And, and it's so helpful for people to see like, um, yeah, maybe there's loss there or change or something, but on the other side is something so much better. Beautiful. You know, imagine being around people in your life who are on your team, who, who want to know you, who, who bring it. And, and after you spend time with them, you're inspired, uh, you're moved, you, you're, you know, man, that's, uh, you're not pulling teeth to try to get them to be more yeah. authentic with you. They're bringing it and you're both bringing it. And then what does that unlock? I mean, I haven't talked about this, but the next level of authenticity, probably beyond all of that is like soul purpose, you yes. know, men on purpose, right? Like, if you, you can start to unlock the real you and the real you isn't just where you live or um, the job that you do, it, it is fulfilling something in your existence here. Yeah. And, and we, we want to distill it down to one sentence or something. And, you know, we can have a mission statement, we can, I have a purpose, but, but yep. it is, that's just our like, Putting structure. it into something, a structure, but it yeah. is, it is so beyond that. And it is not just one thing. It is, we're living it. And, 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 and when you are doing that, the closer you are to that, and it's probably always a moving target, the better life feels. And I don't mean it's all pleasure and there's no pain. Um, you know, the more you take risks in life, the more there might be discomforts and failures and, of course. but 
But there's something about like, yeah, but I am doing what I'm here to do and I'm being the me that I'm meant to be. And I know it's going to keep growing. Uh, and that is one of the most like deeply fulfilling things beyond any particular achievement or even relationship or experience. Yeah. I love that. All right. Last thing before we wrap, we, we, I'm telling you, you and I could roll for hours, man. I love the, I yeah, love I this that. conversation. Yeah. I love your, I love your thought process and your views or everything and your expertise. Um, when I started my business, I was, uh, I was so caught up in the fact that I was being fake and this imposter syndrome. And in all honesty, running my real estate business before I really started my coaching practice, I, I felt like this isn't, this isn't it. Now there's two things there. One was, it was dangerous because I stayed in it, even though I felt like an imposter. But I also followed the imposter syndrome and I followed the, the, like the breadcrumbs through the woods. Then I realized that, that the real estate sales business for me, with me in it as a salesperson, was a means to an end. It was teaching me something. It was leveling me up. And I had to get through these five things before it would let me go and let me on to, to do what's really my mission in life. And so I fought with that, fought through that for years every open house, every listing appointment, I'm like, what am I doing? I'm not a real estate agent. This is stupid. Why? I don't feel this. I don't, I don't live real estate. I don't love this game. I love these people that I'm serving. Like how does somebody, I know there's probably layers of that too, but how does somebody who feels in the imposter syndrome, how do they even just start to find something that's authentic? Because maybe it's 20, 30, 40 years in a business, in a job. And they're yeah. so deep rooted. Like, how do they even begin that to, to get out of that imposter syndrome that they just feel inside? Yeah, that's a great question. And one thing just to, uh, be, just to determine is some people that I work with feel like an imposter, not because they're in the wrong field, but because of a, an old identity yeah. that they don't feel like they deserve to be in the position that they are. And so that's something to, to, to suss out, right, is to say, okay, Am I, an, am I just like stories like, oh, I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. People are going to find out. You know, is it that kind of thing? In which case, that's more of like a raising in, uh, your confidence, owning your value, seeing your strengths and really knowing that. Um, but, but let's say it's like they start to do that. And it's like, no, I, I know I can do this job. And, and, but it's like, it's not, it's not what I'm here. You know, it's not right. But that's, right. The, that's the piece you're talking about. Yep. And I think one of the things that, that, uh, that short circuits the process is it's like, I got to, well, what else would I do? You yeah, know, especially yeah. if it's been a long time. Yeah. Fair enough. And then that question is just so overwhelming and scary and feels like such a drop down because of all the career capital you've built up in this yeah. field, you know, to start at the bottom and not earn anything. It's just, and if you got bills and family and mortgage and it's like, Oh, not, not possible. And so we go, what else would I do? The process is overwhelming we're done. Just carry on, try to make the best of it. That's what most people will do. And you know, be reasonable, be responsible, just, just tough it out. It. Yeah. Tough just it out. It. Right. And so what, what we want, again, we want to start to do is don't go directly from like, Hmm, something's not right to, I got to figure it out. We want to give ourselves a, a season and that's, you know, a season in the calendar year is three months, right? It could be longer, shorter, whatever, but it's a period of time to discover. 
I'm in a season of discovery. I'll say that with clients. Like you're in a season of discovery. And they're like, yeah. oh yeah, great. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> it's <feels> fantastic. Right. <laughs> and it's like, uh, well, yeah, because we want to, well, what does it start with? It starts with something's not right. Yep. This isn't right. You know, maybe I'm, maybe I'm succeeding. Maybe I have money. I'm at this open house. I can sell. Something's not right. Before we jump to what else, it's like, yeah, yeah. Let's exp- like, tell me more. What's missing? That's what I ask people. What's missing? What's, what, uh, what's not right? What's, and it's, and, and we start to get really curious and start to see what am I really hungry for? Yeah. What am I, what is, and it doesn't come in one moment because you pulled it out of your left brain. It's like, it's life whispering to you, calling yeah. to you. So that's why you got, you got to have a season of it. And it's uncomfortable because now you're entering into a space of uncertainty. Mm-hmm. I'm going to stick on this job until I retire and die. That's certainty, even if I don't like it. Right. But I might, there's something else maybe. Now we're uncertain. People don't like that. They want to clamp down into total certainty of like, okay, it's this new track. Right, but right. then they're just knee-jerk reaction, hastily picking. We want to be in the season of a discovery, which is uncertain, and take time, talk to people, go go for long hikes, and just like listen and think and reflect. And what do I feel? What do I want? What am I here to do? Ask those questions without needing to have an answer. Yeah, you're just being with them. What I found, and then people will do is if, if they really give themselves that space it takes down the anxiety because you don't have to do something hastily. And I've had people that go through a season of discovery and say, you know what? It is in this position, in this job, but it's in this field, but it's a different place. Yeah. It's a different role. It's or the way I'm doing it is wrong. wrong. And I, I got to show up differently and then they get lit up and that's great. But some people it's like, I'm changing my, my whole career, you know? And, um, but then you'll get a somewhere in that season of discovery you'll you'll get a you'll start to get a a calling or a a pull or something starts to nag at you and someone who's in that season right now is listening to this you know you'll be one another one of those tens tens of thousands of people who's like oh my god that's me me. (laughs) and what happens then is people then you're in this phase where you need to start um really actively engaging and people will want to figure it all out from the safety of their couch yeah, or the, from their computer. And it's like, no, you got to like, well, you can do it from your computer because now you can research online, but you got to start like we, I've done this with a man who is like uh, at a crossroads in his career. Should I keep, he was a psychiatrist. Should I keep working for this hospital? Should I go become an, a, a head of a hospital? Should I go teach in medical schools? Should I go write, create a private practice? I don't know. There's so many different paths. Should I leave medicine and do something else? I don't know. And um, I was like, he's like, I've done therapy. And I tried to figure out, I was like, how long have you been pondering this? And he's like, three years, at least. It's like, okay. That's not a season of discovery. That's like a holding pattern. Yeah. You know, your season yeah. of discovery is not three years long. That's, a, that's something different. So, I mean, he'd been thinking about it till he was, you know, blue in the face. And I said, okay. And at the beginning of our work together is like, we're going to discover through doing. Yeah. So what you, what we need to do is we need to decide on a path and take several steps down that path, you know, and that doesn't have to mean like quitting your job and do it. it just means like you start to research, you implement something, yeah. you make a phone call for him. It was setting up a private practice while he was still working at the hospital, doing it on the side. And he did that and he set it up 
and he marketed it and blah, blah, blah. And he got himself several clients and then he completed with that. And he's like, you know what? Ah, that's not what I want to do. Yeah. I was like, fantastic. You figured that out in eight weeks. Oh, nice. <laughs> after, after three years of thinking about it, X that one off. Maybe right. come back to it later, but for now we're done. Great. Now we got these other paths. And so we got to start, we got to start actively engaging in small ways with these, with these changes to really start. Cause then, then you're meeting life and you'll start to get feedback. You'll get information door will, you know, doors open or, or your energy gets higher or something. And then that's a sign like, oh yeah, let's keep going down that path. Yeah. Dude, I love that. And you know, what I want to make sure we point out is we we're talking a lot about work and career and jobs and business and stuff like that, but changing who you are, shifting or evolving who you are will change everything. You can still have be inauthentic in your marriage. And most people are, you know, we know a lot of people that are inauthentic yeah. in their marriage. They show up as the husband, the provider, the, the, the father or the wife or the sister or the whatever, but that's their, they're playing that role because they haven't identified who they actually are in the world for the world. Yeah. They're just, they've been given these titles by a piece of paper or the government or birth and they roll like that. Regret will come from that too. So leveling you up, finding your authentic self, you know, uh, understanding your value or what you value in the world. Those things are going to not only help your money, your career, your investments, they're going to help you in your relationships, your marriage, the relationship with yourself, your friends. They're going to help you with, you know, uh, literally all kinds of different areas of life. And it's, it is crucial at this point that people start taking those little steps to finding who they want to be, who they are, their authenticity, their identity, like understanding not that they don't have to just constantly please people to be loved or to be liked. And start to shift the patterns, shift the environments. If you really want to live a life without regrets, you got to get into action right now. Just like you said, you have to get into action today, today. And yeah, everybody's going to be different. So maybe part of the challenge is figuring it out. But here's two people, myself and Dr. Aziz, that can guide as a resource, as an expert, and help you to discover the next thing that you should do on the path to discovery. You know, yes, super simple. Just make another choice. Just make a choice that's different than the one that perpetuated all this shit from yesterday and a year ago and five years ago and 20 years ago. It's it. Life yes. is just a series of those little choices. And that's all you have to do. I love it, man. Well yeah. said. Dude, thank Spam. you. Uh, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in. I'm in. Let's go. <laughs> I think I want to have you back on, man. I think, I think this is such a really you know, deep topic that um, you know, your expert level is super helpful and your message is super helpful for people. So tell everybody where they can find you one and tell everybody the names of your books so they can roll on Amazon or audible right now and get them. And then you and I are going to have a conversation about you coming back on maybe in a couple months and talk about some deeper level things and some more application. And so that the people listening today can come back and go, all right, well, I took this action and now Dr. Aziz, how do I get more of that and farther. Yeah, absolutely. I love it, man. Cool. Um, so the best place, easiest place would be go to draziz.com, D-R-A-Z-I-Z.com. That will have um, all the stuff that I'm doing. You can get, uh, you can find out about my YouTube channel there, which is free. My podcast, Shrink for the Shy Guy, 
um, also free. There's an ebook there that you can get for free, Five Steps to Unleash Your Inner Confidence. So yep. no excuse to not get started with just free stuff to, yeah. to start learning, start creating that new immersion environment. And of course, you want to take it further. We do online. Currently, they're online live yep. events. Um, uh, three-month program, year-long program, immersion stuff that yeah. really is designed to transform. So that's the best place to start. Um, the books you can find about on the website as well, but um, you know, there's not nice as one I mentioned, that's really good for this whole conversation around niceness on yeah. my own side to get control of that voice in our head. Um, I also have a book called the art of extraordinary confidence, which really highlights how we go from sub average confidence to ever increasing levels of confidence in all areas of life. So a lot, a lot of great resources. And I encourage people to uh, just, you know, stay immersed because if you immerse and you act on what you learn, stuff changes, totally. changes fast. Totally. Yeah, dude, this has been, um, this has been awesome. And I know, I know like you literally hit the five E's that I promise every time elevate, educate, empower, enrich, and evolve. Like you got all of them today. You literally did that nice. for this audience. And that, that makes me feel fulfilled. It makes you feel fulfilled. And now the audience is fulfilled and everybody won today. Fantastic, man. Yeah, dude. <laughs> pleasure. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. So everybody, thanks for listening to this episode. Remember, Dr. Aziz, D-R-A-Z-I-Z.com, or you can find everything in the show notes, all the stuff that Dr. Aziz said. If you're driving in your car, you're at the gym and you want to, you don't have time to write it down. You can go to ianlobos.com or mentalpurposepodcast.com. Find all the information. Remember about our free Facebook community, all the resources, our front runner events. We've got so much cool stuff going on. So just be immersed in our world if you want and get anything that you can get to evolve your life to whatever capacity you want. So Dr. Z's, thanks, my friend. It's been real. It's been a real honor. Yeah, my pleasure. Cool. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you on the next one. Thanks again for listening to the Men on Purpose podcast, where our mission is to educate, elevate, and activate every man to truly live their best, most fulfilling life possible. To find out more about the podcast, our guests, or becoming a man on purpose, visit menonpurposepodcast.com and choose your most purposeful path forward.